I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people asked me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course. In my sophomore year of college, I was misdiagnosed with learning disability. I was diagnosed with ADHD. Now, those are two separate statements. I was accurately diagnosed with ADHD, or as I prefer to call it ADN, but we'll get to that in a moment. What I was misdiagnosed with was the fact it was a learning disability. Now, ADHD is certainly a challenge if you're in school because teachers don't like kids who can't pay attention to boring things, which is how I describe ADHD. And I mentioned ADN. You see, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Well, disorder would suggest something is wrong. And it's weird to say something is wrong when my six-figure business is built on the back of this quote-unquote disorder. So I prefer ADN, Attention Deficit Neurotype. I don't know if that'll catch on, but that's what I like to say now and then. So what are you listening to? This is the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast, and I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, known to many as the guy who knows a guy. Why are we listening to it? Because I'm awesome, and you want to listen to my show. Why am I making this show? I am making it because we need to change and flip the narrative on neurodiversity. If you search around on YouTube and look for uh, talks about neurodiversity and content about neurodiversity, which, you know, searching YouTube is about as much research as my attention deficit neurotype brain can handle, you will find there's a certain tone. A certain melancholy, tragic, charitable, won't somebody think of the poor children kind of tone when you talk about neurodiversity. Now, this is in contrast with the people I have met. You see, I'm a professional networker, and I've met over 2,000 entrepreneurs over the last two years, and many of them are quite successful, and many of those successful ones are quite successful because, not in spite of, their neurodiversity. In fact, this all started when I did an interview for my podcast, The Guy Who Knows a Guy, which is currently on hiatus but may someday return. I interviewed a fellow named Dan Mangena, and I may actually re replay that interview in this feed. And I asked Dan, what makes you awesome? Because at the time, I was interviewing successful people and saying, what makes you awesome and how'd you get there? Because I wanted to follow in their footsteps. So I hosted a podcast so that really successful people could tell me how they did it. And Dan's answer to the question, what makes you awesome, was Asperger's. And that was a very surprising answer. Asperger's is not often the answer to what makes you awesome. Although, after talking to Dan and after knowing Dan for a year, I think a lot more people should answer that way. You see, Dan revealed that his autistic brain allows him to see opportunities, see processes and systems that other people would not see. And so he can look at something that looks perfectly ordinary to someone else, to a neurotypical, and say, ah, there's money here, and I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. And so he was able to make millions. And then he lost them because his Asperger's also made it difficult for him to understand things like regulations. 
So the government took all his money. So he got smart and he got some partners who would deal with the regulations. And then the partners took the money because he didn't realize he was being lied to. Uh, again, one of the challenges with Asperger's is being able to read people. Once he learned about his neurotype, he was able to discover how to compensate for it. He was able to put his kryptonite in a lead-lined box and be able to go about with the superpowers. And now when he makes millions, he keeps them. And he's doing quite well. I have met all kinds of people, and you will meet them as well in the course of this season. People who have dyslexia, ADHD, or ADN as I prefer, autism, uh, chronic suicidal ideation, all kinds of different conditions, OCD is another one, who are successful not in spite of it, but because of it. So why is this narrative important to talk about neurodiversity superpowers? Superpowers. Because if you listen to these, these TED Talks and all these other talks, they talk about how challenging it is, how hard it is, all the difficulties. They need to be accommodated. They need to be supported. Well, if you're a kid who has ADHD or autism or dyslexia or whatever, and you listen to a bunch of talks about how difficult it is and how you're bullied and how it's difficult to pass tests at school and how it's hard to get a job, well, what do you think? You think you're broken. You think you're a loser. You think that at best, and this is what your teacher is telling you, if you're lucky and you try really, really hard and, and we can find the right treatment, you might be able to live a normal life. Well, I don't know if you've been watching the economy and reading the paper, but normal in 2022? Isn't that great? It's not really something to aspire to. But there are people out here who are millionaires, multi-multi-millionaires, because of their neurodiverse superpowers. Wouldn't that be a better story for little Jimmy or little Susie, 10, 12 years old, getting their diagnosis to hear than it's going to be tough, but uh, you might be able to live a normal life. Forget that. Look at this guy. He's a multimillionaire and he's got what you've got. Look at this lady. She's a multimillionaire or she's saving the whales or the manatees or building villages in Africa or whatever success story they have. Isn't that a better narrative for them? <clears throat> and parents, of course, the other ones telling the stories their kids, they get a diagnosis for their kids and they think, oh my God, oh my God, my child is defective. And they'll never say it out loud because who wants to say their child is defective? But they're thinking it because they haven't heard these stories yet, which is why we, you and I, because we're a team, you need to share this message. I'm going to put the message out here as a team. We're going to get this message to people who need to hear it. You and I are going to flip this narrative. And a third audience needs to hear this. The corporate audience. The employer audience. Because these, these talks out there who are saying that we need to accommodate these neurodiverse individuals because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the just thing to do. It's the fair thing to do. It's the social justice thing to do. It is, it is fair and, and right. And that's why you should do it. Well, if I'm a boss and I'm hearing that, if I'm an executive or a director or manager or whatever title they call these people, can you tell I'm an entrepreneur? If you're a leader in the corporate world and you hear that, what you your question is, how much is it going to cost me? That sounds expensive. Doing the right thing is expensive. Doing the fair thing is expensive. Accommodating is expensive. And here's the right narrative for that. Accommodating will make more money. That's the language they speak, money. 
they don't talk fairness. They don't talk about right and and the, the right thing to do and the fair thing to do. They talk about money. They're in business to make money. That's why they're a business. Businesses exist for profit. And here's the thing. Accommodating your neurodiverse workers will be worth money. And often won't even cost money. It just has changed the workflow. There's an example I give in my keynote, uh, a composite character, Bob the Engineer. Now, Bob is an engineer. He may be on the spectrum. No one's really sure, but he's certainly a little bit peculiar. But he's a great engineer. However, doesn't do so well with people. Left to his own devices, Bob loves doing the engineering stuff. Whatever engineers do, he does engineer stuff all day long. He'll do it all night if you let him. But if you make him go to a meeting and sit in a room with people for an hour, he needs two hours to recover. Like, you're talking turn the lights off and just breathe deeply so he's, he's grounded and ready to go again. Well, a lot of corporate environments, they might have the morning meeting because, you know, we've got to have synergy and we've got to have a good team environment. And then, of course, you got the, the stand-up in the afternoon, early afternoon, so you can connect and, you know, see what everyone's working on, generate some generative thinking and some creative ideas. And, of course, we should have a, a meeting towards the end of the day to make sure everyone's on the same page. And Bob is an awful engineer. He doesn't get any work done. He spends all day in his office with the lights off. we got to get rid of that Bob guy because, you know, I think there's something wrong with him. But what if you didn't make him go to all the meetings? If you don't make Bob go to the meetings, you know what Bob does? He works tirelessly. Bob becomes the guy who at 5 p.m., you look in his office and you're like, hey, Bob, you have to stick around for a little longer? And he's like, yeah, I'm just working on this thing. And then you come in at 9 a.m. and Bob's still at his desk and you're like, Bob, did you uh, go home? No. Bob, did you leave your chair since I left? Uh, I don't know. Should I? Right? He'll work all night not even think about it. He'll sit there and grind away, and he'll do awesome work because he loves doing it, and he's really good at it because that's what his brain is built for. It is built to engineer. It is not built to talk to people in meetings. Well, here's a crazy idea. Don't make Bob the super engineer go to meetings. Figure out a way to adjust the workflow, adjust the team environment so Bob doesn't have to go to meetings. Now, you may have mentioned at the beginning I said he may be on the spectrum, may not. Here's another crazy idea. It's beyond the purview of this podcast, but crazy idea. Let people work the way they work, and you'll make more money in the business. This is why I'm an entrepreneur, because the whole corporate thing just ain't my jam. But it's a message corporate needs to hear, and so hopefully, again, we're a team, you the listener, me the podcaster. You're going to share the message out to the corporate people you know, because that's not where the strength of my connections is in the corporate space. But the point is... We need to change the narrative on neurodiversity because neurodiversity comes with assets and flaws, superpowers and challenges. I'm a big gamer. I I opened a game store when I first got out of college. And I remember when I first learned about autism and the the concepts of it, I said, you know, that seems like what in gaming we call min-maxing. Right? You buy up one skill, one trait, super high, and you do it by taking a whole bunch of, of uh, flaws or challenges or whatever you call them that system. And min-maxing is often frowned on in the game because, you know, it's kind of twisting the game. But the thing is, in a role-playing environment, if your character is a sniper or spellcaster or super healer or whatever, it doesn't matter if they're bad at everything else because they've got a party. They've got a team of adventurers with them who cover their weaknesses. They just have to be great at their strength because that's all they do. You know what that sounds like? Business, especially entrepreneurship. You don't have to be great at everything. You have to be great, truly great at one thing. 
some people say that that people on uh, neurodiverse people have have a spiky profile. They're really great at some things and really bad at others. Well, here's the cool thing with business and especially entrepreneurship, but corporate if you've got smart bosses, you only have to be great at one thing. You can hire the rest. You can partner the rest. You can even work around the rest. I myself, I'm really great at two things. I'm really great at making connections and I'm really great at expression, as in speaking and writing. That's pretty much it that I'm great at. I'm, I'm okay at a bunch of other things. I know a little bit about a lot of things, but basically those are the two things I'm great at. And I started making more money than I've ever made in my life when I started focusing on doing just those two things. When I was trying to organize a course and put it together or structure this or set up a funnel or do any of these things that were outside of my strength or even before the pandemic, when I was working for other people, when I was doing sales, when I was doing you know things in other people's companies, I was not doing well because I was not working in my strength. You know, I was a fighter trying to cast spells. It just wasn't my thing. And I thought for the longest time that was my problem. And I had to get better at these things that weren't my thing. And I heard things like, success exists outside your comfort zone. Or success you'll find beyond, dis beyond discomfort or beyond the challenge or be where you stretch. Which, if your comfort zone is too small, yeah, you will need to stretch it a bit. But at a certain point, you figure out what your zone of genius is. And success exists in your zone of genius. And you'll be fairly comfortable working in your zone of genius. That's why it's called a zone of genius. The more you do in your zone of genius, the better you do. But if you're neurodiverse, you've probably been told your entire life, you need to get better at these things you're really, really bad at. Because they're weaknesses, you got to work on them. So you spend a lot of energy working on your weaknesses. And very little focusing on how can I exploit these strengths to do awesome things. So that's the purpose of this podcast. I'm going to be highlighting all kinds of people who are successful in all kinds of ways, many of them because they have multiple commas in their bank account. Some of them have done other things. They've done things with charities. They've done things in the community, other forms of success. But every single person you're going to hear from is successful in their own right before we talk about neurodiversity. There's, there's someone that when you hear their story, say, yeah, well, wow, that's a successful person. I want to be like them. And then you're going to hear about the neurodiversity, the unique structure of their brain that makes them successful. I joke, and I don't know if it's really a joke. I might be serious, but I pretend it's a joke. I joke that I want someone to listen to this podcast, a neurotypical person, listen to this podcast and say, wow, you know what? ADHD sounds awesome. I wish I had ADHD. Autism sounds awesome. I wish I had that. Dyslexia sounds great. You know, if I was dyslexic, I could really be successful. Alas, I'm neurotypical, and that's my challenge. Right? I want to flip the narrative completely. I want neurodiversity to be thought of like the, the mutants and X-Men. Right? Sure, yeah, people judge them. There are challenges. There are things that we need to deal with that neurotypicals don't. But we also have strengths. We have superpowers. We have things we can do. So what's mine? I have ADHD. And for the longest time, I thought that I was a failure. I thought I was less than because I was disabled. I graduated college. I could not get a job. Now, I could get a job. But the process to get a job was somewhat cumbersome. I had to fill out a form and write a letter and do and go to this thing. And then I went to the site and the site didn't work. And I did interviews. And I'm like, this is... This is way too much work. I don't want to do that. I could just start a business. 
and I started a business. And remember how I said I'm great at connections and expression? Apparently, I was great at expression back then, too, because I got my family to invest in that business for a considerable amount of money. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I ran that business right in the ground. That's not true. Phoenix Games, the name of that business, was wildly successful, except for one thing. It didn't make any money. It was a great community space, though. Really cool. I actually ended up becoming a nonprofit that survived for another 10 years, so can't necessarily call that a failure. But after Phoenix Games, I ended up working a series of jobs. I was a driving instructor. I was a car salesman. I sold insurance. I sold printing. I sold magazines. I was a marketing manager. I, was, I did all these different things. And for the longest time, I thought, wow, I am so mentally disabled, I can't make money doing anything. Everything I did, I made less than I was expecting to. The most I'd ever made before the pandemic was $52,000 a year. That's with a degree, that's with an IQ of 157, right? I should be able to make some money, and yet, wasn't happening. I must be really disabled. Right? I married my wife in 2014, and she made more money than me every single year until 2022. Well, so what happened? In 2020, there was this thing called the pandemic, you may recall it. It was a tragic event for many, many people, but not me. Because when the pandemic hit, it killed my business. I was publishing a community magazine uh, for a, another company. Uh, it's a company called Best Version Media. Fantastic company. They've got a great system. It's very well proven. But I just, I couldn't make it work. A lot of other people can. It's a great model. But I had trouble doing it. Mostly I, I overthought too much and I got distracted. Weird that. So when the pandemic hit, because everything they did was in person, we basically had to start from scratch. Now they were on the ball the minute things locked down. They were ready to do remote guided presentations because in January they saw it coming. I, great, I give great credit to the CEO of the company for seeing that coming. But I had a choice. I actually tried it for a few months. I, I plugged away and tried really hard. But I got to the point where I realized I had a choice. We were basically starting over from scratch. I spent three years trying to learn this model, trying to figure it out, the proven model, and it didn't work for me. It didn't work very well. I was starting to get traction finally, after three years in 2020. And then we were going to start over, and they were basically inventing models they went along. So I was once again going to be with them as they figured it out. And I thought, if I'm going to be part of figuring something out from scratch, it might as well be my thing. Because I was pretty sure, I was pretty sure that there had been opportunities that I had let go because I'd been focused on following someone else's path. I'd been working a job or working for someone else's program. So I said, you know, I think it might be time for me to try my own thing. I actually discovered a coach who taught me a great sales strategy, uh, Taki Moore's strategy. Taki Moore wasn't the coach. I learned secondhand, but Taki Moore's strategy. That's a really effective strategy to sell through Facebook groups into Facebook chat. I sold 10 clients in 10 weeks. Woo, look at me, into a coaching program. Except for one slight problem, I wasn't ready to be a coach yet. So eight out of 10 of them ended up dropping off. But I was committed to following my path and figure out where my opportunity was. So I ended up driving DoorDash and then Uber when, when I got vaccinated. And all this, all the time, because I've been the guy who knows a guy since 2014, making connections, meeting people, I was out here on the internet. I was meeting people. I was making connections. I was getting introductions. I was giving introductions. And I was learning from the people I was meeting, over 2,000 entrepreneurs. And finally, at the end of 2021, 
Someone said to me, Phil Palucha, to give him full credit from Billionaires and Boxers, he said to me, Michael, you know, some people get paid to make introductions. And I said, keep talking, Phil, because I think we found something. I started talking to other people about the idea, and a few of them said, that sounds amazing. How much do you want for it? And I was like, what, what, what? Okay, yeah, uh, sure. Um, what? <laughs> you want to pay me? Sweet. But the more, once I went over that tipping point, I leaned into who I was, to my superpowers. I leaned into what I'm great at. So if you don't know, ADHD, ADN, is partly characterized by a dopamine issue. I think it's a lack of receptors. You're knocking a lot of hard, hard science in the show. I believe it's a lack of receptors. So we need more dopamine to get the same reaction the neurotypical does. And dopamine is caused by, among other things, new experiences. So some people with ADHD, it ends up leading them to do things like cheating and uh, you know, thrill-seeking. But new experiences also include meeting new people. So I used to joke that I'm a compulsive networker. And then I found out it's not a joke. I'm literally a compulsive networker. Like I actually need to meet people uh, or I need those new experiences. So I was meeting 20 people a week. I was networking 25, 30 hours a week. That's why I didn't have time to do all that other stuff. And that turned into the business. My networking concierge program is simply meeting with those dozens of people and then introducing the ones who are fit to my clients. Very simple, very much in alignment. And once I started in that direction, I said, wait a minute, why don't I just stop doing things I don't like doing? I don't like cold calling, so I don't do it. I don't like pitching, so I don't do it. I don't like closing, so I don't do it. I have a no pitch, no close sales strategy. I tell people what I do, and some of them say, oh, that's really interesting, what's it cost? I tell them what it costs. They say, how do I sign up? I tell them how to sign up. Some of them do. That's how my business works. I don't do things I don't like doing. I focus on my superpowers. I focus on my strengths. And my business has gone from $250 a month to six figures in half a year. So the purpose of this show is to introduce you to people who leaned into their superpowers and discover them so that maybe you will find your own superpowers. So that maybe you can exploit well, not exploit, give the opportunity to make the most of the superpowers of people on your team or, you know, for your kids or whatever. If there's anyone who's neurodiverse in your life, which I guarantee you there is, this show will help you understand the opportunities. Now, we're not going to be going so much into the challenges. We're not going to go into the sob stories about how difficult it was. I'm sure that's somewhere else. We may, you know, some of our guests may share a bit about their challenges, but I'm not focusing on the challenges. I'm focusing on the success story because that's what inspires me and it's my show. So we're doing it my way. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Nice attitude there, right? That's about as much attitude as I can give you. Sorry. But it's my show. And what I want to focus on is these success stories. You go on YouTube, you go on other podcasts, there's plenty of people telling the sob stories. Plenty of people telling you how hard it is. I want to tell you how awesome it is. Because if you are neurodiverse, if you have ADHD, if you have uh, Asperger's, autism, if you have dyslexia, if you have whatever it is, there may well be a superpower in your neurotype. Now, maybe there's not. All right? I'm not saying every neurotype, every neurodivergent brain type has a superpower. Some are just disabilities. Some just suck. Right? Sorry. But many of them are freaking awesome if you can figure out where that strength is. Okay? Yeah, a lot of people like to nitpick. They're like, well, what about this edge case? Okay, yeah, sure. You can find me examples of people said and applied to, but I can find you a lot of examples of people it does. And wouldn't you rather believe that you have a superpower than, you, than that you're disabled? In fact, in fact, 
Let's address that point for a second. If you are actually disabled, like your neurotype just makes you worse off than a neurotypical across the board. There's no benefit. It's just bad. But somehow you listen to this show and you say, oh, I have a superpower. Neat. Sweet. I'm going to find my superpower. And you go blundering off into the world and start a business or whatever. And you're thinking, I got a superpower. I'm super powerful. Somehow my neurotype is going to make me successful. I have a superpower. Your superpower is now delusion. I mean, the delusion is your superpower. Because if you believe you have a superpower, boom, you have a superpower. Henry Ford says, whether you, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. So if I accidentally make someone think they have a superpower, I'm not really worried about that. That's pretty awesome. And you may be neurotypical. It might be say, well, I don't have ADHD. I don't have autism. I don't have this. I don't have that. You still have a, a superpower. Now, it might not be a super superpower. It might just be something you're pretty great at. But a lot of the things we're going to learn and we're going to discuss about neurodiversity actually applies to neurotypicals as well because there is no true neurotypical. No one is standard. Everyone is somewhat different. And a lot of things we learn with neurodiverse people about how they have to accommodate this and you know focus on their strengths and diminish their weaknesses, the same things apply to neurotypicals too. So once a company gets used to accommodating one person's strengths and weaknesses, they might learn how to accommodate everyone else's strengths and weaknesses. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? I mean, if you're high C, think about the disc profile. If you're high C and you're on a sales team, you might as well be neurodivergent. Yeah, you're not technically neurodivergent, you're just more analytical, but you might as well be. But maybe you shouldn't be on the sales team. Maybe you should be on the support team. Maybe you should be on some other part of the team because being high C, that might not be the best environment for you. Or there may be a way to do it that's more effective. So that's what this show is going to be about. And hopefully the last 25 minutes have made sense because a guy with ADHD just picked up a mic, hit record, and started talking for 25 minutes without a script. So... Who knows where that went? So, if you have found this at all interesting, then I encourage you to listen to the next episode. We're going to have some interviews. Uh, some episodes will be interviews. Some episodes will be solo. Again, me riffing some more. Uh, some episodes might be other stuff. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to put in this. I'm going to bring probably some of my old uh, Guy Knows a Guy episodes that are relevant, maybe brought into this as well. And who knows what else is coming? You know how you find out? You subscribe. So whatever you're listening to this on, there's a subscribe button. I want you to click on that subscribe button. If there's a rate button, I want you to go to as many stars as possible. So if it's like five stars, I want you to click all five of them. If it's 10, I want you all 10. If it's 15, all 15. How many stars you got? Give me all your stars. And if there's a review box, then I want you to put something in there like, Michael has a voice of an angel, and I am a wiser and better person for having listened to this show. Or, you know, something like that. Write what you want. Be honest as long as it's positive. I mean, be honest, as long as it's positive. Rate, review, share. Let's spread this word. This is a message that can change the world for everyone. It'll help neurodiverse people to find more opportunities. It'll help businesses to make more money. It'll help parents to raise better kids. And rising tide lifts all boats. So if we can exploit, and, and not, not the bad kind of exploit, if we can take advantage of, eh, that's a bad term too, if we can make the most of these, you know, everyone and their strengths and their gifts and superpowers, everyone wins and the world's a better place. So I'm Michael Whitehouse. 
I am known to many as the guy who knows a guy. I have a website called guyknowsaguy.com. You can find me there doing my not neurodiverse things. Wait, no, everything I do is a neurodiverse thing. You can find the rest of my business stuff over there as well as my book. And I encourage you to listen more to this podcast, to the upcoming episodes. I'm going to be dropping at least three with it. So immediately, no waiting, you can start listening to the interviews. Uh, and then we got more stuff to come. So I hope you will come with me on this exciting journey. And I will see you at the next episode. This has been the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Sign up to get every episode at neurodiversitysuperpowers.me. Join our Facebook group on facebook.com slash groups slash neurodiversity superpowers. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to share, rate, and review this podcast. I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people ask me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course.